Gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I'm Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about the North Carolina Folklife Institute with Director Sarah Bryant. But first, a few messages. Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant, with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch in a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain Adventures start with where you stay. The Smoky Mountains and surrounding area is a vacation destination for all seasons. Some of the nation's best hiking trails, waterfalls, outdoor adventures, and family entertainment can be found right here. Start your adventure by using SmokiesAdventure.com, Smokies, plural, Adventure.com, to explore all the wonderful features of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. You'll get trail maps and find out about water falls and Cades Cove and the elk and much more. And then check out all the awesome family attractions and entertainment you and your entire family can enjoy in all of the Smoky Mountain and the surrounding areas. The goal of Smoky's Adventure is to become the leading information portal for adventures and experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains. There are some events coming up. The well, first one I want to talk to you about is, uh, is music. And it's called Smoky Blue Rain, and it's on July 23rd at 6 p.m. It's uh, the Blue Smoky Blue Rain is a trio of uh, led by of um, with, with uh, three music great musicians, Len Graham, Phil Moore, and Amos Jackson. Their brand of Americana music music is an infectious blend of folk, light rock, blues, jazz, and a touch of traditional country. They met through a mutual friend and from the very first note, note realized that they had something special. So we're going to have that event on, uh, on the Saturday night at July 23rd at the pavilion, the back porch pavilion in, uh, in the back, in the, in the back uh, recreation area of the Metal Arc Motel. We have a, a sort of a, a wonderful uh, a performance venue. And, and we're also going to have a free barbecue uh, and, um, and, uh, and 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 there'll be music after the show too, up until whatever the night provides. So admission is free for motel guests and Heritage Club members, and it's ten dollars for all others. Um, and it's and you need to do an RSVP. So call eight two eight nine two six one seven one second one seven to get your tickets. Again, eight two eight nine two six one seven one seven. Now, some of you have heard about TikTok and. Uh, and uh, and uh, and Instagram, but especially TikTok, and uh, a local a local guy here named Zeb, uh, who's part of the J J Creek Cloggers, has gone viral with hundreds of millions of views for his clogging style. Um, and so 
the Metal Ark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center and the Metal Ark Motel proudly announce a heritage event that features uh, an evening of dinner and then dancing from the legendary Jay Creek Cloggers uh, featuring Zeb uh, on Saturday night, July 30th. Uh, and it'll start it again. The night starts with a delicious barbecue dinner at six, and then column, column, cu- culminates with a rollicking performance by the Jay Creek Clockers at 7.30 p.m. They will perform multiple examples of traditional mountain dancing, as well as teaching the audience several fun dance steps. Uh, group leader Kim Ross, who was here a, couple, a week or so ago uh, on, the, uh, on our podcast, We'll also give a short talk on the history and traditions of mountain dancing. Grab your partner and come and join us for a memorable, fun-filled, classic mountain heritage evening of dining and dancing. Admission is free for motel guests and Heritage Club members and $20 per person for folks not staying at the motel. You know, give us a call at 828-926-1717 to reserve your room or just to get a ticket to the dinner and dance. Um, it's going to be classic old old mountain type uh, uh, dance hall stuff, and uh, you're going to have a great time. And then it'll be put up on TikTok, and maybe it'll go viral again. Um, now, big news is on August 12th through the 13th, there's going to be a songwriters camp that features Grammy award winning artists Jim Lauderdale and Charles Humphrey III, along with award winning artists Darren Nicholson, Clay Mills, and Charles Chamberlain. It's a two day event. Uh, of interactive songwriting instruction with some world-class music. And you'll get a demo tape produced for, uh, for your participation, for your what you write and what you perform. And then there'll also be a concert uh, by the Songs from the Road Band on Friday night. And then again, a barbecue dinner and an all-star concert with all those artists on Saturday night. This is an event like you'll never get in your life. You know, Jim Lauderdale, you know, wrote most of the hits for artists like Jim, uh, George Strait. And, you know, uh, Charles Humphrey is a, is a Grammy Award winning himself and has done some major uh, songs. Uh, it's just, it's going to be incredible. You're going to learn a lot. The price is six seventy five dollars per person. It includes all the activities, the demo tape and the, and the concerts and the dinners and everything else. And there's special rooms available if you, you're not from the area. Uh, and you can, you can call in to 828-926-1717 to get the details. Get yourself a room, get yourself a ticket, and, and come on. And there's, there's just also for people who just want to come to concerts, there's concert tickets available as well. Again, call 828-926-1717. So today we're going to talk about the New York North Carolina Folklife Institute. And the director of that is Sarah Bryant. And, um, and, and it's an... And the, the, the Folklife, Folklife Institute is an organization that for more than four decades has been dedicated to the preservation, appreciation, understanding of folklife, heritage, and culture in North Carolina. Now, Sarah is an accomplished writer, author, and musician. She is also the editor of two notable old-time music publications and enjoys collecting old 78 RPM LPs and supporting animal welfare. She's a Tar Heel basketball and New York Mets baseball fan. She lives in Durham, North Carolina with her family and there, and has a pack of dogs and cats to support her efforts. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Fine. I'm doing good. Hey, listen, I'm not going to hold it against you that you're a 
you're a Tar Heel uh, born and bred, but you know, since I went to Duke, but you do live in Durham, so you got to live in enemy territory, right? I live about three blocks from campus, so I have to represent extra hard for the Tar Heels here. All right. Which is the West Campus or the East Campus? East Campus. East Campus. So you're like near downtown, right? Yeah, yeah, quite close. Yeah, in Walltown. Cool. Durham's become a little bit of a foodie town, right? Just like Asheville. It, it really is. It reminds me a lot of Asheville. Um, yeah, and just a huge number of people moving here every year. It's, oh, yeah. You know, I, I lived, like Asheville. After, after Duke, I lived in Durham for about seven years, and I enjoyed it very much. You know, it was a, it's a cool little town. Uh, if you're visiting town. North Carolina, you want to go across the whole state. You know, I, I say Wilmington, uh, you know, Durham, and then Asheville. And then, of course, Maggie Valley for the small town experience. <laughs> for sure. All right, cool. We're, we're especially excited to talk to you about you and your role in the North Carolina Folk Life Institute. As, as you, as, you know, we, have, we share many of the same core beliefs uh, with the Heritage Center and at the motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, let's learn a little bit more about you. you and uh, you have an interesting background, an amazing resume. Thank um, you. So you were born in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. How's it, how's it like being uh, born in a, in a beach town? <laughs> I, yeah, I spent the, most, of the, most of my childhood in Myrtle Beach. And, you know, when you're born in a place, or I was, I was actually, um, uh, we moved there when I was two weeks old, but my father's family going back many generations is from that little part of South Carolina and Myrtle Beach in particular. And what I think when you grow up in a place like that, you kind of don't know how weird it is. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know, I have a friend who, a uh, childhood friend, we were talking years after we both left Myrtle Beach about what it's like to be from somewhere like that. And she pointed out that it gives you kind of an altered sense of reality if you grow up like down the street from Ripley's Believe It or Not, or um, you know, giant fiberglass octopus statues. Well, you know, growing up in a little tourist town, I sort of get an idea of what you did. You know, and, you know, from Duke, we always went to Myrtle Beach after you know, for the spring break. It was like, and, you know, and how 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 bad can a place be when you know you can take a back road and find a, an all-you-can-eat seafood place on the middle of nowhere. <laughs> 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 and you paid and you paid as you went in because they you know <laughs> they were expecting you to just stay there until you were full uh, but you also spe- spent some time in, in uh growing up in carolinas and virginia beach in virginia where, where, how, where, where were those yeah well um most of my family going back you know since early colonial times has been in in the carolinas both carolinas and um uh, when when I was about nine, we moved up to Northern Virginia, which is where my mother uh, grew up. And um, I missed the Carolinas badly when I lived there, especially uh-huh. in the springtime. But because uh, you know, just that little bit of geographical distance makes all the dis- all the difference in uh, climate when the when the flowers come out and when it gets warm. Oh yeah, it, it was a great place to spend uh, my teens and and my college years. So I. I feel fortunate to have been up there well your parents surely must have influenced your love of history and writing your mom is a distinguished author publisher and historian in her own right uh what 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 can you say about that yeah my mom my mom is a wonderful writer her name is um christina freeman bryan and um she she has had an interesting career um she's 72 now and lives with me and my husband here in durham and um yeah, she, she went to Carolina and um, 
studied originally to be a medievalist. Uh, medieval Latin is is her specialty um, from from college, and um, but has done all sorts of things over the years. She ran a school for several years in Myrtle Beach, um, the Montessori school that I went to as a small child, and um, has written a lot of really wonderful um, historical fiction um, about uh, Civil War era, about the Jamestown colony, uh, about the Lincoln assassination plot. And she, she's an amazing researcher, finds out just incredible depths of information, writes this, these great books, and then just moves right to the next project because she's so excited about the next thing to learn about. So she has the stack of manuscripts. I hope someday she'll be shopping to publishers because the world needs to see them. All right, that's great. Well, we got to take a break now, but we'll come back, talk a little bit more about your personal history and then get into your job. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Sarah Bryan. Um, so, so you know I like to have my uh, uh, my uh, my uh, craft beers on this show, and I, I will tell you uh, uh, about the one I'm doing now. But first, as I mentioned, I was at the Wicked Weed Brewery in Nashville the other day, and they got a really great IPA called Freak of Nature, I advise you to go there. But I just discovered one we have at the Metal Arc, and it's not a local beer, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily just, you know, dismiss that. You know, even though this area has 50 breweries, there's people that make good beer elsewhere. And I'm liking this one. It's a double IPA called Never Better by Carando uh, Brewing Company from California, believe it or not. So. Uh, but anyway, hey, hey Sarah, uh, glad to have you back. Um, you know, we were talking about your mom, but your dad was a professional of American literature. But it was also, I thought this was interesting, renowned as a miniature golf course designer, including most of the elaborate ones on the Grand Strand, right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, my, my father, um, James Bryan was his name. He, he went by the nickname Potty, which is a long story. Uh, Potiphar <laughs> was, was the origin of Potiphar in the Bible. Um, yeah, he, he was from Myrtle Beach, grew up there, and his father and grandfather had been involved in developing the area early on and particularly in building some of the golf courses there the the big golf courses mm-hmm. and um uh, starting around the 1950s i'd say late 50s early 60s he um started he started working on his own miniature golf courses his father um put him in charge of a uh, an old golf driving range they had there and he had the idea to make it sort of a jungle environment miniature golf course and that's where that uh that idea was born with him and um he and partners through the years developed the jungle golf style of miniature golf courses so if you've been to Myrtle Beach you know what they look like it's the big mountain of dirt um, in the middle of the lot with tropical plants, waterfalls, um, jungle animals, which includes somehow savanna animals, I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, so that, that um, and that 
that has um over the course of his life that really took off uh from the late 50s to his death in 2002 uh, he he did a couple of maggie valley didn't you know, I am not sure. I think he did. It was before my time. He did one in Boone yeah. um, in the seventies, early seventies. I think there's one that's there's one that's been around for a long time, and I don't think that's a jungle type golf. But there is one um, that is more of a jungle type thing. I think so. He that's probably, probably is. And, and, and it looks actually. I when I first saw it back. 20 years ago or something like that i said wow that looks more like a Bertle beach uh, <laughs> there you go. uh, you know, uh thing so but it, it's become part of the fabric here you know so <laughs> um and you you you're a, you you're actually come from a diverse home you you grew up and speak spanish your family is a compute compute cuban dispense right uh, my mom yeah, yeah my mom is half cuban yeah and uh, and I assume you have a real admiration for uh, cultural diversity. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. And, yeah. Is that where you love for exploring, you know, folk, folk life and, for, you know, being a writer and, and, and musician? And, and you got your, what, your BA degree in American Studies from George Washington University, an MA degree in folklore at UNC. Yeah, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call a truce for that. <laughs> yeah. But in 2005, you actually you joined the, the North Carolina uh, Folk Life Institute. Uh, so was that sort of the, the first big career move for you? Or were you doing something before that? That was uh, an incredibly lucky break for me. I was not long out of grad school. And um, the North Carolina Folk Life Institute, which at the time was directed by Beverly Patterson, who's a, a wonderful folklorist in Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. um, she... Uh, she and the Folklife Institute were working with the Blue Ridge National Heritage Area on developing their traditional artist directory. And she brought on two newly hatched folklorists, which were me and Mark Freed, who you probably know from Boone. He's a prominent musician and arts leader in the area. But we were both, you know, in and just out of school at the time. This was long ago. And um, yeah, my first job was on the artist directory and so basically the Folklife Institute turned us loose. Mark was in the northern counties and I was from like Madison and Buncombe counties to the state line and um, and, and the Cherokee uh, Kuala Boundary area and it, it was a wonderful job. I mean we just explored, each of us separately explored the counties in our um, assigned region go around ask people who the traditional artists are um in some cases they were you know prominent people with you know well-known careers in their in their art form and in other cases it would be you know an elderly person who'd retired from a career and something not at all art or music related but you know kept up their their art form just on their own at home because they love doing it nobody you know um hadn't had much publicity before but we got to write profiles of all of these folks and it was incredibly fun well you uh you you must have loved it because by 2017 which is a fairly short period of time you became executive director of that that uh, that, you know really esteemed organization um so i guess that was uh that was uh that was a a lot of hard work right Uh, hard work but really fun work (laughs) really fun work the, all of the projects we're involved in are just um, 
always such a pleasure to work on. Well, I mean, but you also, here's the interesting thing that I didn't know and, you know, found out that you, you became an old time fiddle player during that time too. So you had to have time to practice, right? But you were, you were doing a lot of good work. So, uh, uh, have you played with any great uh, Western North Carolina fiddlers? Well, I, let's see. I actually I started playing old time fiddle when I was in my teens. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. and um, actually up in in Northern Virginia, and um, yeah, but have have continued playing all along. Um, yeah, moving to North Carolina has. Uh, I came back down here for grad school in two thousand, uh-huh. and one of the great things about that was um, proximity to so many wonderful old time musicians. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So d- did you get to play with any or did you get any, did you have any mentoring from some of them? Yeah. Yeah. I've, there it's, it's hard to narrow down. There's so many amazing fiddlers in the area. I would, if I had to pick one fiddler to, um, to, to mention in particular who I've a friend who I've, I've been lucky enough to play with at times, but not nearly enough, not nearly as much as I'd like is uh, Paul Brown, who lives in Winston-Salem. Um, he is wonderful fiddler, banjo player, singer, um, has this style that I wish I could play in, very sort of sweet and rambunctious at the same time. Uh-huh. And he also, um, he's he's been this great conduit between generations because when he first moved to the Mount Airy area, um he got to know tommy Jarrell, ernest east fred cockram all the you know the sort of um pantheon of great musicians in that area and he's he's really served as a um a champion of them over the years so now i mean for for a lot of us who were not able to know those people through paul we've um gotten to know not just what great musicians they were but you know what interesting and knowledgeable people they were Mm-hmm. well that, that's that's yeah that's i you know that's a that's a life enriching experience to mm-hmm. you know, work with people that have such tremendous depth and they, they're trying to actually pass it on to you too and so you know i think that was probably you know very very you know uh, profound for you yeah. uh, but you know i also know that you were on garrison keeler's prairie home companion how did that come about that that was a um an exciting experience, not in all the right ways, though. I have severe stage fright, and um, which uh, complicated that experience because it was in front of a you know a live theater audience. Um, Prairie Home Companion was going to be in Durham, and um, and the show invited you know several old time musicians in the area to be part of it, and of course I couldn't turn that down. Um, but uh, once I once I got there, the stage fright kicked in, <laughs> and um, they before the show they um, we were backstage, and um, Chris Brashear, who's the the band fiddler, was the band fiddler at those days um, for the show, was showing me and the other um, guest fiddlers this tune that we were going to play when you know when our segment came on, and because I was starting to think about what it was going to be like in a few minutes when there was these hundreds of people looking at me and billions of people listening, my mind went blank and I couldn't learn the tune he was showing us. It was as soon as he played it, it was gone. So that was, um, 
that was uh, the first tune we were going to play that evening. And because as soon as they started, I realized I didn't remember what he had just showed us. I was like, um, you know, sort of holding the bow a little bit above the strings and pretending to play. <laughs> if, if you've seen the episode of Andy Griffith when Barney's in the choir and he, has yeah, right. his husband, he can't sing, it was like that. But that so the sound, the sound engineer was, you know, kept he was listening and he kept thinking that my microphone was not working. So he came out at one point and was like tinkering with it. And while he was standing there, he realized that I wasn't playing and he was sort of like, winked and gave me a thumbs up and went off stage but then the next tune that we were to play was um soldier's joy which is my favorite old-time fiddle tune and the one that like all fiddlers pretty much know so i really wanted to play on that one but at that point my microphone was off because <laughs> <laughs> i've only been pretending to play before oh, no. <laughs> but the chris brashear and the other fiddler um kenny jackson who's a really great north carolina fiddler um you know, they didn't need a third fiddler between them, so it's, it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, oh, that's so you 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 played, but you didn't. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good story. Uh, <laughs> at least you got asked to be on there. Exactly, that was not. Yeah. yeah. So you've you've also become a, a writer, a great writer, and uh, you have two books out, right? And. Uh, so when we come, we have to take a break now, but I want you to tell us about the two books and then we're going to talk about some of the, you know, the stuff in the mountains in the Western North Carolina that you know about. Great. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. My guest, Sarah Bryan, who's the executive director of the North Carolina Folklife Institute. So, so Sarah, you, uh, you're a writer and you, you've got a couple of books out, out, one coming out soon. What, was, what are those titles and what they're about? Thanks. Um, there are uh, two titles I've, I've co-written. Um, I was one of the three co-authors, along with Beverly Patterson and... Michelle Lanier, who um, is now the director of uh, historic sites for North Carolina, um, a book called African American Music Trails of Eastern North Carolina. And that came out of a North Carolina Arts Council project of the same name um, about the historic and living Black music traditions in eight Eastern North Carolina counties. Um, and, you know, just the incredible impact musicians from there have had that hasn't always been more widely recognized right. that was uh i believe 2014 2015 my husband peter honig and i um co co-wrote and co-compiled a um collection for dust to digital um which is a great label out of atlanta um it was a two cd set of the CDs were 78s from Peter's collection of mostly old time mountain music and, and blues. And the book was um, antique anonymous photos of uh, Southern, early Southern life uh, from my own collection. Oh, cool. So that, that, that was um, uh, 2015. And that's out of print, but it's still, I believe the music is still downloadable. And what was uh, the name of it? Uh, it was called Lead Kindly Light. Um, named for 
for the hymn, uh, uh, pre-war Southern music and photographs, I believe was the subtitle. Cool. And then you're writing one now? Yes. Um, yeah. I'm um, co-writing with um, Potter and historian from Randolph County named Hal Pugh. We are working on a, a history of Southern traditional pottery, which is uh, a, a huge story. And we're, you know, having fun figuring out how to fit that all into one book. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you have, uh, you have pottery trails all over North Carolina. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah, North Carolina <laughs> especially. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. well, you also you also uh, write and in, in the and the editor for the Old Time Herald, which is a about old. Is that, it's about old music. Is it also about old time dancing. It is, yeah, um, yeah. The Old Time Herald, um, the musician and field recorder Alice Gerard uh, founded it in 1987 when she was living in Galax. And yeah, it's it's about traditional old time music, particularly in Appalachia, but also um, other parts of the South and you know wider wider traditions elsewhere that are related to old time music. Um, other parts. Is there, of the any, is there any memorable stories you wrote about the Smoky Mountains areas? Oh gosh, well not not that I've written myself, but I would. Um, there have been some great great um, articles about Western North Carolina. In fact, our current issue has a um, cover story about uh, Beach Mountain musicians from um, from the Watauga, Avery County line area. And the old fiddler, Buena Vista Hicks is uh, the cover girl. She was a great musical matriarch from Beach Mountain. Cool. Anything from Haywood County? <laughs> Haywood County, yeah, let me, We've definitely we've definitely covered Haywood County stories. Uh, there was a we had an article sometime back about the um, is it Soco Gap Cloggers? Was that the name of the, oh, yeah. the early the team? Oh yeah, Sam Queen and the yeah, the, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the danced at the White House and Roosevelt yeah. era. That we had yeah. we had it on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, cool. yeah, that's a great tradition that's been going on for generations. Cool. So um, I love that. Um, you um you know that you work with this folk like institute i mean it shares a lot of the values and objectives promoting the, the preservation appreciation and understanding of the folk life heritage and culture in north carolina you know we're we're spoken we're focused on the you know smoky mountains area but it's the same sort of passion um i i saw that you had one interesting program documenting the early barbecue pits. I got to go find this because I'm getting into. I'm, I'm you know, I've been a big fire-based uh, cook for a while, and I, I'm, I'm getting more and more of that. Tell me about that. So what did you find out that uh, that's uh, fascinating about barbecue pits early on? That was a project. Um, oh gosh, probably eight or ten years ago um, that the um, the previous director Joy Salyers launched, and um, the part that I was able to play was going to interview um, two um, sort of founding fathers of the, the Western barbecue tradition, um, Mr. Stamey and Mr. Monk, one in Greensboro and one in Lexington. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell either of them that I'm a vegetarian. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was lovely being in their restaurants. It smelled great. Um, yeah. I brought barbecue home for my family. And uh, yeah, just 
lovely. Well, well you can do some wonderful things with vegetables and smoke, you know. Uh, it's true, yeah. There's a, there's a recipe that comes out of the middle of the state that I love and use. It's uh, uh, this African-American chef, I forget her name right now, I'll, I'll post it at some point, that has smoked beets and then she makes cornbread oh. with smoked beets. That's so you get this great. red, it's, it's fabulous. Oh, yeah. And burnt sugar. Smoke oh, beet, wow. That sounds good. Sugar. Oh, it's it's incredible, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of vegetables that are really enhanced by the grill experience. Yeah, you know, people know you know about doing chis kebabs and things, but there's a lot more that you can do. Um, any any programs, uh, cooking programs on mountain cooking or Cherokee cuisine? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's um, we're really um, love being involved in in programs about Appalachian uh, food in particular. Um, yeah, we've we've had some classes um, through a program called In These Mountains, which is sponsored by South Arts in Atlanta, and um, have had a, have several food related courses. Um, right before the pandemic began, um, we were working with Nathan Bush, who is a Cherokee herbalist and um, uh, artist and language specialist, and um, his mother. Mrs. Onita Bush is a, is also a really renowned herbalist, and so he was uh, gave a great class um, going into the woods and in the area, and you know showing which plants are edible, which you got to stay away from, which have different you know medicinal properties, and um, more recently, and in fact going on now, um, we're sponsoring an online class called Mountain Vittles, and it's taught by William Ritter. Oh, from, William. Uh, I know. You know, there we go. We had him on the show a few. Uh, oh, good, good. Yeah. 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 William from um, Mitchell County, and he is teaching. It, it's a great class. We've only had two so far, and it's going to go into, you know, the summer and early fall, and we are still taking, uh, taking students. Students can still register. Anyone 13 and up, and it's free. Oh, great wow. Great class. Uh, just about, you know, heritage Appalachian crops, uh, cooking, baking, uh, stories having to do with food, songs having to do with food. Wow! So we fun. know we here the here we we built our first garden here, right uh, at the motel. We also uh, put a field in at a farm, and what we have, uh, we're starting to really get into. Yeah, well, like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of candy roasters. We, we got a hold of a bunch of candy roasters from yeah. William Ritter, believe it or not. Excellent. Uh, and uh, we're planning on doing a lot of those big breads and things like that. For those who don't know, candy roasters are like in the pumpkin uh, or squash family. They're giant, but oblong, you know, and they only really grow well in the mountains. But they're, but they're, they're really sweet and really fantastic. Uh, so I, I, I love that you're doing this kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to we're going we're gonna to actually open a restaurant focused on Merited, Mountain Heritage food with a lot of traditional things and and we just had, i don't know if you know isla hatter yes right? yeah she was just here uh day before yesterday and she did a program here and we had over 30 people show up right Great. to sit here and 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 learn how to forage and and use it to make meals and things so the, it, it's something that people are very interested in and that's great I'm, I'm gonna look up that program you guys are doing definitely yeah join us please yeah another big thing that you, uh, you're involved with is festival productions right documenting and talking about what, what's going on uh do you have any favorite festivals in the, in the western north part of the state 
Oh gosh, yeah, that's that's one that it would be hard to narrow down. My my favorite favorite old time festival in the world is the Mount Airy Fiddlers Convention, okay. and um, yeah, I've, I've I haven't gone for the last couple of years because of um, just pandemic strangeness, but um, but yeah, I've, I've been coming to that since I was about twenty, and uh, just fabulous um, festival. It's one of these events where the old time musicians from all over the world really come together and meet the people who grew up in the traditions and you know are carrying it on from home and uh, and vice versa it's just it's a wonderful event another another one i love and i'm not certain if it's still happening is uh the fading voices festival uh-huh. and um it takes place in snowbird the the cherokee community near robbinsville and it's uh cherokee gospel music and they're oh, wow. wonderful, wonderful um, quartets, uh, mostly from the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians in North Carolina and Tennessee, and also from the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma. Um, uh, quartets will come from there to to this festival, and just you know, incredibly beautiful music in this really, really beautiful little mountain cove in Snowbird. Well, I hope that's still going on. Um, I hope so. I'm going to look it up. You know, one of the most successful, I thought, you know, the hospitality um, thing I actually saw in Barbados was a gospel uh, gospel brunch uh, on Sundays. And it was huge. It was a big, fantastic success. People, It was all, you know, really sort of old-time, uh, you know, gospel music in a surprising place to have it. It was hugely successful. I told the idea of doing that here. Um, but, uh, you know, didn't you, didn't the Folk Life Institute at one point put on the first statewide folk folk festival? That was, that was our origin, actually. Um, we were founded in 1974 to help the, um, actually as an arm at that time of the Folk Life Program of the North Carolina Arts Council, and they were putting on a statewide Folk Life Festival here in Durham. And it was sort of the lead up to the bicentennial. Uh, so, yeah. you know, there was a renewed interest in American yeah. traditions of all kinds. And that and first that- festival in 74, um, it just, it's incredible looking back at who all was there. It's like Tommy Gerald, Elizabeth Cotton, Willard Watson, just, wow. you know, just some of the most wonderful North Carolina artists. Have you been involved with the Folk Boot Center's Festival here in Hayward County? We haven't, but I but would like to. Yeah, oh. do great work. All right, cool. I'll get to Bob to introduce you. He knows it pretty well. <laughs> well, hey, listen, we got to take a break, and then we'll come back and talk. Continue talking about uh, yeah, folk 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 life here in the mountains. <laughs> This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Sarah Bryant. So, Sarah, you know, one of the reasons I, uh, you know, started doing the Mountain Heritage stuff here in the, you know, and got involved with this because I really believe in the importance of community education and, you know, and getting, you know, things right where the community can be involved with it and even online you know, in their interactions. What do you think about the uh, importance of that and also the importance of oral history documentation that comes out of communities? 
I, th I, I think it's an essential part of all of our lives um, and you know, community arts and oral history. And far too few people nowadays experience that in a, you know, in a full way. Um, um, I, I'm not one of these people who thinks that, you know, the old days were better across the board, but, but I do think that the um, um, closeness. There's a lot of beauty in it. There was a lot of beauty in it. There was absolutely. There was also absolutely. a hardship and ugliness in there, but, you know, trying to preserve the beauty and letting the nastiness go away. I think is Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that closeness of community is something that in a lot of ways, many of us have lost and all the more so over the last two and a half years with the pandemic. Um, but that, that makes, um, makes it all the more essential for organizations like, like both of ours um, to create these opportunities whenever we can to help, especially young people find out about traditions um, in their communities, uh, get to know elder artists or, you know, story, storytellers, people who know the community history. And yeah, the, the more opportunities there are, the better. Um, uh, uh, that makes me think in particular about the JAM program, the Junior Appalachian Musicians. That's a great which, program. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's sort of a stellar example of creating, creating new um, learning environments uh, of where, where a, um, you know, a young person 100 years ago may have been able to go to his next door neighbor or her next door neighbor and learn the banjo. Um, the, those links don't exist as as strongly or as frequently now. So creating these um, classes essentially for, for young people to learn um, has been an amazing contribution to old time and bluegrass music because now there's this whole generation of young, just incredibly good musicians who are graduates of the jam program in, you know, counties throughout the Appalachian South. And, um, you know, thank goodness for, for what and they you've, do. And you've, you've actually cultivated networks so that they can interact and learn from each other and, and to also promote artists and create a, a handbook for artists to promote themselves. Tell me about that. That's, this is um, a good chance for me to um, tell listeners, please watch the space because the, uh, the artist handbook is actually, um, being revised as we speak, um, um, the North Carolina Arts Council and um, Evan Hatch of Folk Moot. Um, uh, Evan, when he was with the North Carolina Folklife Institute, was actually the um, person who started this uh, this project. And yeah, it's an online handbook in PDF format of ideas, um, resources for traditional artists to get the word out about what they do essentially to help them make a living if that's what they want to do with their with their art form um find opportunities to learn and to and to teach and pass it on so that's being revised and you know things change so quickly um especially in terms of technology that uh you know it needs a revision pretty quickly uh, so that's what we're working on now and um i hope that it'll, it'll be back up in a new form in a few months uh, you know, that's, you know, I guess the, the work on things like the Blue Ridge Heritage Trail and uh, is all part of that work to give uh, mm -hmm. artists the ability to promote themselves. Absolutely. Uh, 
and uh, and and you did a state. Is that the statewide director of artists as well, or is that a different uh, initiative? That that's a different um, a different project, and um, one that I that I'd also like for us to return to and uh, revitalize. Um, it's it got started in um, with artists from Warren, Vance, and Halifax counties in Central North Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, a directory with pro- very much like the Blue Ridge. National Heritage Area's uh, traditional arts directory, um, you know, modeled after that, but aiming for a, a statewide um, group of I artists. Mean, and you know, um, you know, uh, you know, I love um, that. Yeah, that there's a there's a sense that you have to promote the diversity of what was what built these our communities. It wasn't just Scotch Irish settlers. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned some Cherokee works. How, how about the Afro Appalachian influence in the western part of the state? Uh, are you aware of those and documenting those or talking about those anywhere? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, of course, Black Appalachian communities have always known that they were there themselves. But, mm-hmm. you know, th- those of us from other backgrounds have not you know, known as much as we should have about them. And um, there's um, one one person whose research especially, excuse me, I'm going to have to pause for a second and cough. <laughs> <That's all laughs> one person who's um, done some really wonderful work in southwestern North Carolina is um, Ann Miller Woodford. She's mm-hmm. the founder of an organization called One Doesn't Who Care. And she's written a wonderful book, which I happen to have here. If I can hold wow. it up to the screen. Um, it's called When All God's Children Get Together, Celebration of the Lives and Music of African-American People in Far Western North Carolina. Yeah, and it talks about um, communities, particularly in um, Macon, Cherokee, Clay counties, um, in Franklin area especially, these very old African-American communities that have wonderful, rich histories and traditions, and, um, and she's helping, you know, bring a spotlight to that wow well i'm i'm, I'm uh I'm, you know th- th- this is all important work there's so many other things that you do you know and we're getting to the end here you know I, I like to ask my guests what are your what are your what are your some of your favorite places in western north carolina where would you recommend people go oh wow all of it <laughs> um, <laughs> um gosh i mean i it's so hard to well, let's focus it on Actually, Haywood County. <laughs> on Haywood County, I love Haywood County. Um, let me see. Oh, um, there is a is right north of you, or right right up the road from you. One of my favorite views in all of North Carolina is on the road between Maggie Valley and Cherokee. If you're driving towards Cherokee, you look out to the right. There's this incredible, beautiful view of Soco Gap. Oh, wow. and is that the so, one they call the most photographed view in the uh, yeah that's the one it's got the little viewing tower and it's yeah, I yeah. Mean, it deserves that <laughs> the, yeah it's a great view yeah. i've been there since before i was born mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's been a pleasure having you on the show uh we have to call it quits now but what what, what do you what, where would you like the people to go to find out more information or look up your books or read something what, what are the important uh things for them to, to find out more about you well I, I would love for them to visit our website for the folklife institute which is ncfolk f-o-l-k dot o-r-g ncfolk.org 
And also, if they're interested in old time music, old time music um, in particular, uh, oldtimeherald.org. Um, they find a lot about um, Appalachian and, in particular, Western North Carolina music. Cool. And what about you? You've got books, you've got some things. Where would they find out about that? Do you have a Facebook page or anything like that? I do, yeah. You can find me on Facebook for sure. All right. Fabulous. Uh, well, thank you again. Uh, we might have to have another show because you've got a lot to talk about. But it's been <laughs> fabulous to have it's you been here. fun. Thank you. Yeah. So this, uh, this is the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, you can watch this podcast live on Facebook at facebook.com slash Gateway to the Smokies podcast. We also have all the episodes uh, recorded and, and with transcripts on smokiesadventure.com. Uh, on the, there's a link at the top that will bring you to all the different episodes that you can review. We're also on the talkradio.nyc network, where they, they also stream the, the audio live as well as on their Facebook stream. And I advise you to take a look at all of the um, podcast on this network because it's a, a network of live podcasts which i think is very interesting uh you get a lot of um you know, spontaneity and uh and a sense of i think a vibrancy by listening to things that are live um and they range from small business to self-help to travel to stuff about new york city and and and, 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 and other other parts of the world uh so go there if you get a chance um, I also have another podcast called Wise Content Creates Wealth on that, uh, on that network. It's about marketing and AI. So if you get a chance, uh, take a look at that. Uh, and I'll see you next week again for another fine podcast, uh, always on Tuesdays from 6 to 7, the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. And I appreciate you all for listening uh, today, and I'll see you then. Mm-hmm.